Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Tuesday, October 19th, and this is your FT News Briefing. Japan doesn't want to be outmatched by high-tech competitors, so it's refocusing its semiconductor prowess. And China's hypersonic missile test has rattled the U.S. The Chinese are becoming very, very technologically advanced, and the gap between the U.S. and China is shrinking, and in some cases, China may even be a little bit ahead. But first, Bitcoin could be coming to a broker near you. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Today on the New York Stock Exchange, we'll see the first listing of an exchange-traded fund linked to Bitcoin. ETFs are funds that track an index or some other asset, and today's listing is expected to be the first of many ETFs linked to cryptocurrency. Steve Johnson covers ETFs for the Financial Times. I think the key thing here is this potentially opens the market up to a lot more investors. Um, at, at the moment, cryptocurrencies think, largely have been bought by uh, younger, more tech-savvy investors who are comfortable with uh, the technology involved, comfortable uh, with maybe the risk involved. This launch brings the accessibility uh, of Bitcoin into a regulated structure. For the first time, uh, investors in their 401ks and their IRAs will be able to have an allocation to, to Bitcoin, at least via the futures market. And it will be available, uh, these ETFs will be available via brokerage account in the same way as any ETF or or share is at the present. So, Steve, uh, regulators at the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission have been, you know, pretty hard on cryptocurrency, but they did not block this listing. Um, Why do you think they are allowing a cryptocurrency ETF? I, I think they're very comfortable with this particular structure. The Bitcoin futures uh, trade on the on the Chicago Mercantile Exchange. They're regulated by the Commodities Futures Trading Commission, uh, and the SEC seems very comfortable that as a regulated product, this is fine. I imagine as well that you know incre- they have increasingly come under pressure. We've seen ETFs launched uh, in a variety of other countries, including Canada. We've seen other vehicles being launched, such as the the Grayscale uh, Bitcoin Trust, a private trust. Obviously, a lot of people have invested directly in the cryptos themselves. So I imagine there's a strand of thought that it's better to provide a regulated product, assuming that you know, some people are going to invest in this, whatever they do. Steve Johnson is the FT's ETF correspondent. The U.S. intelligence and military community was stunned to learn about a recent military test by China. This past August, Beijing tested a nuclear-capable hypersonic missile that circled the globe before landing a couple of dozen miles from its target. Dmitry Sevastopolo is the FT's U.S.-China correspondent based in Washington. He broke this story, and he joins me now. Hey, Dmitry. Hi, Mark. So, Dmitry, the way I explained it just now, is that more or less what happened, or is there more to it? There's a little bit more. So basically, they secretly launched a rocket called the Long March, which is the rocket they use for all their space program stuff. But it carried something called a hypersonic glide vehicle into space lower orbit. It went around the Earth, it came down on its target, and as you said, it missed. But what's really interesting is that they seem to have tested two new capabilities. One is called fractional orbital bombardment system, which is very scary. But in a nutshell, what it means is you can send missiles over the South Pole, which is important because most U.S. missile defenses are geared towards missiles that come over the North Pole. And then the the hypersonic glide vehicle, and a way to think about that is almost it, it kind of flies like a space shuttle in that you can maneuver it and fly it and steer around things. That then comes down into the 
Earth's atmosphere and approaches its target. So this hypersonic glide vehicle you're talking about, is it a game changer? Well, it's not a game changer in the sense that it has pros and cons, but it does two things. First of all, it shows that the Chinese are making faster advancements in hypersonic weapons than the Americans assumed. But you know, the Americans are also testing and developing hypersonic weapons, as are the Russians and even the, uh, the North Koreans. So I don't think it's a game changer. It's not a Sputnik moment uh, from history, but it is another sign that the Chinese are becoming very, very technologically advanced and the gap between the US and China is shrinking. And in some cases, China may even be a little bit ahead. Dimitri, what impact could this have on US policy towards China? Well, I think, first of all, it's going to strengthen concerns among those in Washington who think that the US needs to do more to make sure that it stays ahead of China. But in a kind of a more broader significance, this technology or the capability that they've tested means that essentially they can deliver a nuclear-capable missile to anywhere in the world, which means that more of the US is potentially vulnerable to a Chinese attack. Now, that's going to play into a debate that's happening in Washington at the moment. The Biden administration is conducting what's called a nuclear posture review, which is something that Congress mandates that all administrations do, to work out what its nuclear policy should be, how many nuclear weapons it should have and, and deploy. And I think that the revelations that China has made more developments in hypersonics is going to play into that debate and probably give more ammunition to those who are arguing that you shouldn't reduce your nuclear stockpile and that you should actually modernize your nuclear stockpile uh, much more quickly than has been done at the moment. Dmitry Sevastopilo is the FT's US-China correspondent. Thanks, Dmitry. Thank you, Mark. In Japan, there's a growing sense of crisis about the country's vulnerability to competitive threats. Japan used to be the world's leading microchip manufacturer. Eventually, it was taken over by the U.S. and China. The country's new prime minister wants to address this concern, so he's created a new post. The FT's Tokyo bureau chief, Kana Inagaki, spoke to Japan's new minister for economic security. His name is Takayuki Kobayashi. In her interview, Kobayashi said the economic security measures that he's going to oversee are not directed specifically at China, but China is clearly relevant to why the role was created, since it is about how Japan will remain globally competitive, as you know, major economies such as Washington and Beijing wage technology wars and compete to build autonomous supply chains and chips and other areas of significance to national security. So what did he say his priorities would be? He said his main priority is for the government to be able to identify the essential technologies that the country needs to protect and you know, promote to ensure that it remains both relevant and what he called indispensable to the international community. He believes that only then can Japan obtain technologies from other friendly nations to build you know, self-sufficient chip supply chains. And did the supply chain disruptions during the pandemic add to the sense of crisis? Was it like a, a like a wake-up call for Japan? Yes, it's similar to what's happening in the U.S. and Europe. I mean, the global chip shortage caused by COVID-19 exposed Japan's vulnerability in securing key, t- key technologies. What Japan is trying to do is not just um, support the Japanese industries, but it's trying to invite companies from overseas to help Japan build these supply chains. So in those cases, the government is planning to provide 
pretty you know generous subsidies to persuade these companies to come to Japan. But obviously, other countries like the U.S. and China are also giving pretty significant sums of money. So it's going to be very competitive. And one example of Japan working with overseas chipmakers is that big Taiwanese chipmaker, TSMC, that we've talked a lot about on the show. It's actually planning to build a factory in Japan, right, Kana? Yeah, so the Japanese government actually succeeded in persuading TSMC, you know, the world's largest contract manufacturer, to build a new fab in the country. And it's considered quite a big coup. But Kobayashi was telling us in an interview that, you know, the success with TSMC is really just the first step, and they really need to keep on doing these kind of strategies. Kana Inagaki is the FT's Tokyo bureau chief. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, this is Matt and Sean from Two Black Guys with good credit. From a local business to a global corporation. Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash banking for business to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024.